welcome to the New Mama podcast. I'm Lauren, a new mama to little Logan, and I'm here to share women's stories of pregnancy, birth, and motherhood. Spoiler alert, it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows. We're talking about the ups and downs of motherhood through raw, vulnerable, no BS conversations, because in reality, you can't have a rainbow without a little rain. This podcast is here to be your friend, the friend I'd wish I'd had in my darkest times to remind me that I was not alone. And it's okay to not be okay. We're in this together and mama, you got this. Hi everyone and welcome to today's episode of the new mama podcast. Today I'm joined by Katie Whitehorn. Katie is a senior HR advisor as well as mama to little nine-month-old Corey. Katie lives in Sydney with her partner Daryl, has a little chihuahua called Thor and is one of the only people I know in their 30s who actually likes Chardonnay. Welcome Katie. What an introduction. And yes, I do love Chardonnay. And thanks for the welcome. (laughs) No problem. I'm so happy to have you on. So let's get stuck in. Let's get to it. So how was your journey to conceiving Corey? Uh, That was probably the easiest part in the last 18 months because uh, Corey wasn't planned. (laughs) So we had just, we had talked about it and we thought uh, maybe the following mid, uh, like June, 2022, we'd maybe start trying. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was 12 months earlier than planned. At the time, we were also living with my parents, started COVID, so, and I was actually on JobKeeper, so didn't really know what the next 12 months looked like, but we decided to go with it, and here we are. And how did you know you were pregnant? Did you have any signs or symptoms? Uh, no, just so um, at the time of his conception, uh, we realised we <laughs> sort of had made a mistake, <laughs> and so I was sort of expecting to be, and I just did a test uh, the day my period was due, and, um, and it was positive. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, no, it was it was a good time. Um, we actually had a bit of a scare um, a couple of weeks later. Uh, so we had, um, I had a, quite a large bleed. And so we thought um, we had lost him, but it just turns out that it was just a bleed uh, when the egg attached to the uterus wall and, and everything was fine. So, and it just made me realize how, how much I did actually want it as yeah. well. Good. Yeah. And what so did you go to the doctors or anything or yeah, so my GP just sent me for a scan straight away just to make sure everything was yeah. fine. And then after the scare, how was the rest of your pregnancy? Uh so it was it was quite good. Like I wasn't sick at all. Uh I did get told after my NIPT test that I had high I was high risk for preeclampsia. So there was a higher chance that potentially if I had gotten preeclampsia that Corey might be really small in comparison to his gestational age and mm. he could be born prematurely. Right. So it was just quite, at the time I got told that it was, uh, I was trying to find an obstetrician that would work for a NICU because I was told the little hospitals around Southern Child, which is where I was going to give birth, don't take babies younger than 32 or 34 weeks. So it was, you know, mm. you'd end up at Royal Women's or Royal North Shore. But then um, when I was looking at obstetricians who work from those different hospitals, friends were saying to me, oh, but then if you end up going full term because it wasn't confirmed that I had preeclampsia, mm. then Daryl would have to do that, you know, big drive when maybe contracting and, you know, it'd be quite anxious for him. So yeah. they were like, it's probably better to be closer. And then if he was born prematurely, then are they, you know, an ambulance drives you to the closest uh, yeah and he he was born premi so did you want to tell us a bit about his journey to entering the world 
Yeah, so Daryl and I were on a our baby moon to Brisbane to see his family and we nice. wanted to be there. Yeah, and we went to be there for four days and we ended up staying there for two months because at 28, and two, 28 weeks and two days, my waters broke. So uh, we ended up in hospital. Uh, that first night was really quite scary because they couldn't find him. So they couldn't find his heartbeat, the ECG. So we're sitting there and the nurse was sort of like, she confirmed obviously that my waters had broken and I was losing a lot of amniotic fluid. And so the first thing was to make sure that his heart rate was okay. And then they couldn't find him with the ECG. So then, you know, she pressed the button and 10 Gosh. nurses ran in. And I think that's when I realized the situation we're in. Because at first I was like, what's this water? And I actually called my mum. It was like midnight. And I called my mum in Sydney. It was just like, um, I've got a little bit of water. I don't really know what it is. And she's like, oh, just call, you know, mm-hmm. the obstetrician told you to call the hospital if you have anything. So I called then St. George Private, which is where I was meant to give birth. And they said, we'd probably asked you to come in so I would suggest going to an emergency department and by chance we ended up going to Maiden Mothers it was just the closest uh, one to where we were staying uh, which is actually one of the top Mm. uh, birthing hospitals in Sydney in Australia sorry so it was really quite good by chance and yeah convenient (laughs) yes Uh, so and it was only a 10 minute drive and luckily because I um, was making a bit of a puddle behind me (laughs) as, as I was walking in it was really quite embarrassing but um, but then they found his heartbeat, so everything was okay. And so we obviously stayed the night. And then a new obstetrician or one face from the hospital came to see me that morning. I was thinking I was still you know, flying home the next day. I thought everything would be okay. And the first thing he said mm. to me is, um, you won't be leaving Brisbane without a baby. <gasps> I was like, oh, sorry, what? Uh, oh, yeah, gosh. So- I know. And Daryl had just left for like half an hour just to get some, you know, clothes and things for me because we sort of just panicked and rushed to the hospital with nothing. Yeah. Um, not knowing, you know, what it was. So I was there by myself and he's like, yeah, so um, I'll call your obstetrician in Sydney and let them know what's happened. And if you're happy with me, I'll be your new obstetrician. Oh. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was a hard two and a half weeks. And then he decided to come at 30 weeks and five days. So you went in because your waters had broken and <laughs> the guy said to you, you're not going to leave Brisbane without a baby. So you were then admitted at that point and two and a half weeks later, you had Corey. Yes. Is that right? Yes. So because um, obviously once your waters break, there's a high risk of infection. Yeah. But the other concerning issue was he was actually breached. And they had said to me that the chances of him turning now when you have such low amniotic fluid, because even though mm. you keep producing amniotic fluid, you keep losing it as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was just sort of always quite dry. <laughs> so he wouldn't really turn to be in position, you know, go down the birthing canal so it was always going to be probably that I had a cesarean as well from that point onwards which I did have a cesarean um but yeah so um I even looked up and googled like trying to get like a medi helicopter to fly me to Sydney and getting quotes on on all that sort of stuff just to get me back to Sydney Mm. because it wasn't so much you know the hospital was really nice everyone all the nurses were fabulous but it was more around when he did come we'd also then obviously I uh, then get discharged but then he would be in the NICU and I just thought it'd be so much easier if we were in Sydney obviously with him and friends to support us through that time but wasn't the case yeah so how long was he in Brisbane well how long were you all in Brisbane for two months Two months. So from the time my waters broke until the time that we discharged from the radar, it was, yeah, two months. Gosh. 
so um, he was he was discharged at 36 weeks, but he was actually just transferred to St George Private because their hospital was full and so they needed to get rid of some of the bulbs. So um, because obviously my paediatrician knew that or consultant, she knew that we were from Sydney. She arranged for a transfer by plane, commercial plane, um, and a nurse flew down with us at 36 weeks. Oh, wow. So there's this little bulb that weighs two kilos on a plane. And that was, again, very a very challenging day. Uh, I flew by myself because Daryl actually had to work and, um, and I flew obviously with the nurse, but he needed oxygen um, mid-air. His oxygen levels dropped quite dramatically. Oh, so we had to put this, yeah, oxygen mask. And, um, and the nurse played it really cool, but afterwards she said to me, she's like, I did not think that was going to happen. That was extremely scary. Oh. That is scary and good for her for remaining professional and like nothing was was wrong because that's what an hour and a half flight. Yes, yes. So um, so was he connected to all the wires and stuff on the flight? How did they? Oh, so they just had a transport? well, they just had a little foot monitor so to um, monitor his oxygen levels as well as his heart rate. So it was just um, tied around yeah. his foot. So normally in the hospital, obviously, he's got all the other ones around his, his chest and things like that. Yeah. But just for the flight, obviously, he's in with a portable machine. So, And I just held him in my arms. And then once she realised how much his um, oxygen levels were dropping, she took him off. Oh, gosh. And put him in the seat between us. But they were really lovely. Like, we flew with Qantas. They were just really like the every cabin crew member came up to me and was like, is there anything we can give you? And I was like, yeah, you can land the plane so I can get, <laughs> get Corey off here because it's, you know, it's obviously the altitude that's impacting the oxygen level. Yeah. So I was like, just fly faster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fly faster. Everything, <laughs> fly faster. Um, <laughs> oh. But, yeah, everything turned out okay. Yeah, so oh, that is so stressful. You must have been beside yourself. Um. Yeah, I was. I didn't cry or anything because, you know, I just thought, it's not going to help the situation. Like the nurse doesn't need mm. any, you know, any, you know, crazy mother, you know, being really upset when she's trying to look after Corey. So I thought, you know, just, you know, stay calm. She's doing everything she can. So, yeah. And he was fine. And then when you landed, um, you went straight to St. George Private. Yes. Yes. So uh, my parents actually were able to come pick us up and drive us to the hospital. Oh, that's nice. Because uh, they didn't think he needed an ambulance. So, um, well, she did. Well, by the time we landed and got off the plane, it had stabilized mm. quite a bit. So, I think it was just literally due to the altitude. Uh, yeah, my mum got to meet him for the first time, and my sister, and we drove him to Forge Hospital, and he was there for another four weeks. And where were we in the COVID pandemic at this point? Because in Sydney. <laughs> By then, it started to ease off a bit, hadn't it? It was the end of January. So I think it was just the end of the Northern Beaches outbreak. So I wasn't too up to date with what was going on in Sydney at the time. But yeah, it was obviously there were still restrictions. Like, for example, oh, I actually don't know if that's COVID or if it's any time, but um, grandparents can't come into the special nursery at St George Private. Right. But I do believe that I think it was only one grandparent at a time, even into the normal maternal weeks. Yep. So how long was he at St George for and how was the care there? Uh, So he was there for four weeks. It was a little bit different to the NICU at the MARTA. So at the MARTA, I literally spent the whole day with him in uh, like a lounge chair. So obviously they promote skin to skin at that age quite a bit. So I would lay there, you know, just six to eight hours with him just laying on me. Um, but because obviously he was a little bit older and it was a special nursery, not a NICU, they, they didn't really want you to hang around. They didn't really have the facilities for that. So it was more around doing his care, so changing his nappy and all that sort of stuff and then trying to feed. So obviously... Um, 
um, babies get their sucking reflex from about 36 weeks. So trying to get him on the breast instead of just tube feeding and and then, you know, having a little bit of a play or, I mean, they're yep. so young, so it's not like he's awake for that much of the day, but, um, you know, reading him a book or things like that. And then um, I would go twice a day um, at, that, at St. George. Yeah. And I mean, you live quite a distance from St. George, don't you? I was about a 30 minute drive, but luckily, you know, it was COVID. So not many people had returned to work. So the the roads weren't that bad. (laughs) And I mean, they give you Mm. parking and everything. So, you know, they do make it really easy on you. Yeah. And and how was your recovery from the C-section? Uh, it was good. I mean, I was surprised at how much pain I would be in because you just don't really think about that before. I mean, obviously I had been told I was most likely having a cesarean and I just like I didn't do any research or anything about it. I just thought, oh, you know, I'll do it. And, <laughs> but uh, I do think day two and three were quite hard. And also I realised that I can't actually stomach mm. endone, so it's what they give you sort of after the cesarean pain relief. But I was really quite nauseous, so um, that night, the Corey was born, I ended up um, really quite sick. And even the next day, so I had endone again in the morning, not really realizing it was the endone. So I actually didn't get first cuddles. Uh, Daryl did. I mean, it was so lovely for him. So, but yeah, I just, because he was in a humidity crib at that time, um, once they take him out for the day, they don't like to pass him over to a different parent. Yeah. Um, and they just take him out only that one time a day. Yeah. So um, I just said, Daryl, you can have that cuddles. Yeah. I, it's funny. I've spoken to so many women who've had C-sections and everyone has said that they they really underestimate how much pain that they would be in afterwards because it is quite a significant surgery yeah I just I think maybe you don't want to think about it so you don't so you don't and then it's you know a couple of days later when you're trying to get in and out of bed or if like you know for example I was pumping so so breast milk for him and Mm. you know getting in and out of bed to do that and um, I mean I think I had a little bit easier than other moms who have cesareans at full term because I'd didn't have Corey to look after obviously he was in the the NICU so mm. you know they would even wheel me down to the NICU to get cuddles and they made it really easy for it so like the cuddles I just laid on the lounge like got myself into the lounge position and they just put him on me so they did everything for me in a way so I would um could understand how other mums who you know have just gone through a cesarean with a full term so they weigh a lot more as well mm. and have to actually look after a bulb yeah harder than what I had to go through yeah. And you mentioned expressing your breast milk. How how was your breastfeeding journey? Because they do say as well that when they're preemie, it can affect, you know, milk supply and all of those kind of things. How was your journey? Uh, so, um, I mean, I know a lot about breast pumping now. I didn't really realize, like, <laughs> I didn't really think about that prior to uh, that happening. So the first night they said, oh, you really need to start pumping and brought in a machine. And I, um, yeah, so I pumped for three months because Corey didn't really latch on very well, even when we did start at 36 weeks. So mm-hmm. I think he's a little bit of a lazy eater as well. So we <laughs> actually, we didn't really succeed in breastfeeding at all. So he had breast milk for the first three months, but only that's because I had pumped. We actually did a breastfeed at all. Yeah. So once he came home from the hospital, we gave up. Well, I gave up pretty quickly because it just wasn't working. It was really, really stressful. And and yeah. I just thought this is not for me and um and we just didn't enjoy the experience like I found sometimes he w- it was an hour and a half and then when they're so young it's half an hour to an hour later and then they're back on and you, know, you just don't have any time to yourself so um and yeah Daryl was very much like well if you if you go to formula then I can help and I can use some of the night feeds so yeah it worked out well for us but I didn't yeah absolutely and you have to do what's right for you it's I mean you had such a stressful start with Corey anyway and with him being so teeny obviously you wanted to do what was best for him and if if formula was best for your family hey go for it I think you absolutely made the right decision 
Yeah, because the other thing was that he had to have some things added to the breast milk. So, for example, the last uh, trimester, they're getting a lot of nutrients from you. And obviously, he wasn't inside for the last trimester. So, you know, there's pen- there's other things that he needed to add to the breast milk. So we would then, he- even if he was breastfed, we'd then have to make a bottle with formula or express breast milk to give him the different nutrients that he needed that he wasn't getting from breast milk. So, and actually, if he went to formula, formula is got so many nutrients added that we didn't need to add all those other additional things and I wasn't enjoying the experience yeah exactly and you have to do what's right for you and for him because as we've said in the past you know happy mom happy baby and formula these days Hmm. is amazing Logan absolutely loves it and has been thriving he's such a chubber now since he's been on the formula so yeah they do say formula fed babies are big babies yeah not so much the case with Corey but (laughs) I mean he obviously he did grow How's his health been since you've given birth and you've got home, you got home with him? So um, Corey, I mean, it's been great. He has reached his milestones in terms of his prematurity. So, uh, you know, we had a pediatrician appointment recently and he's doing everything he should do for his corrected age, not his obviously birthday. But Corey was born with bilateral kidney dysplasia. So both his kidneys have cysts instead of filters, but we're not too sure the extent of that yet. So we will find out more when he's two. But uh, most recently, he has had to have a feeding tube placed uh, in his nose directly into his stomach because he just doesn't seem to eat enough during the day, uh, like formula or solids. So he's not putting on weight. So he actually fell off the chart. So he's always been small. He was 1.45 kilos when he was born. So he was tiny even for his gestation. And he has slowly, Mm. he stayed on his trajectory uh, for the first six months. But sort of since starting solids, he's just dropped down. So there was a few weeks where he'd lost weight or had plateaued. So he's under the care of the renal team at City Children's and they've just recently put a feeding tube in, which, you know, has caused, um, yeah, it's quite hard because he pulls it out every third day. So we've been at Sutherland Hospital uh, six times in the last three weeks, but it's working. So he had, in a fortnight, he had put on 600 grams. So, oh, wow, that's um, amazing. One positive. Yeah, so um, it's, it's a really, really good result. So that's due to the fact that, like, so he... His normal feed is 180 of formula. He only takes, most he takes orally is 90 and the other 90 we feed via the tube and we've added a full additional feed during the night, which he doesn't wake for anymore, but um, my partner Daryl wakes him up and uh, tries to give it to him orally and then if he doesn't take that, then we just tube feed him. Yeah. Yeah, but 600 grams is huge. That is huge because I think they say in the first few months of life, the goal is to put on 150 to 200 grams a week, I believe. So 300 grams a week is amazing considering he's, what, nine months old? Yes. So, um, yeah, it's great. So it's actually put him back on his normal trajectory. So he's still tiny. He's still below the third percentile, but hopefully over the next few months we can get him up to the 50th percentile. Yeah. And with his bilateral kidney dysplasia, is that as a result of him being premature or is that just something he was going to have anyway? So that's just something he was going to have anyway. It was when the kidneys were formed. So uh, we're not exactly sure how he got it. So I had kidney reflux uh, when I was um, they found it when I was two and I was operated on, but um, I had no long-term permanent issues with my kidneys. So it's, and it's obviously mm-hmm. different to that. So we're not exactly sure um, how he's gotten that. So I do see a geneticist in November to sort of work out why he got it and how, what's the best treatment plan based on the, they're looking at the chromosomes. Mm. But uh, there's a high chance that potentially we did decide to have a second that 
our second child might have it as well. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So that's the other reason why they wanted for us to meet a geneticist, but we've decided we won't be going down that path anyway, so it doesn't matter. But it's more just around Corey's treatment plans. Yeah. But that won't be until after uh, your kidneys aren't fully formed until you're two. So it won't be until after his two that we work out exactly what, you know, the next few years look like for him. Mm. You've said to me previously that you're having to give him some additional kind of medication. And one of the medications might be the reason why he's not eating because it might make him feel nauseous. Is that right? Yeah. So he he's on iron, um, six mils of iron a day, which can make you constipated. And so fruit that could make him just sort of feel full or bloated. Mm. Uh, he's also on sodium bicarb and he's also on calcium. And then obviously because he's on iron, he's on colloxifer. <laughs> There's a fair few things that he's on during the day. So yeah. Yeah, that is quite, and the morning and the night routine, you know, it does take quite like an hour because, you know, he doesn't like to eat either. So the other thing they've said is we do need to keep the solids up, even though he's not getting much nutrition from the solids. It's just the more like the oral stimulation and mm. making sure that, you know, obviously he speaks and all that sort of stuff, because if, he, if we try to sort of just go off solids and just try and give him the formula, then he'll lose all of that sort of stuff as well. Oh, I didn't realise that. Yeah, the whole lifting and putting things into your mouth and um, all that sort of stuff, it's, you know, learning your motor skill, your yeah. fine motor skills, and obviously that's how they work out, you know, if it's okay is the oral stimulation and um, things like that, it's all the learning. Mm. So they've said still keep doing that as much as you can, even if he's not get, taking it, it's still practising and learning, um, which will help him speak as well. Mm. Yeah. And one thing I always remember with Corey is he's always, he's such a good sleeper. Like I think in our mother's group of like 17, he was always the baby that was sleeping overnight from an early age. And I think that's amazing. But how have you found becoming a new mum? Uh, yeah, so he he's definitely a sleeper, which uh, has made being a new mum very easy. But um, yeah, no, I mean, it's been good. Uh, we have obviously had our challenges, the mum guilt and the stress of, you know, being a mum. Um, as I was saying just before this podcast, Corey just fell off the bed. So. Oh, gosh. <laughs> he's so squirmy already. Um, and, yeah, you just don't look for a second. Um, and even with this tube, my parents and twice this week he's pulled out the tube for them and they've called me because I'm back at work. Um, they've called me and they've said, we're so sorry. He's pulled it out. All we did was turn around for a coffee. So uh, the first few months we did, uh, you know, Daryl and I, we were pretty honest. We found it pretty relentless, you know, because obviously it's such a take relationship. So, you know, you're just literally changing, feeding, you mm. know, getting them, trying to get them down for a nap. But, you know, now in the last, definitely in the last few months when, you know, they're queuing and they're smiling at you and, you know, you walk in in the morning and you're the first face they see and, you know, you just get this big smile, all that makes it worth it. And, you know, when he, like the other day I was <laughs> holding him on the lounge and Daryl had come out because he just finished work and, you know, Corey put his arms up and Aww. hasn't done that for me yet. But, you know, <laughs> it was pretty cute for Daryl. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so funny, isn't it? It's like there's not competition, but it's like, oh, he's already done that for me and you're like damn it I wanted to be the first one (laughs) every morning I go in and like he smiles at me so then I put my hands out hoping that he'll do that because especially in the morning I just want to get out of bed but I did have actually a dream last night that he said mama but you know so we were super excited but it was just a dream (laughs) just tell Daryl that it happened he wouldn't know any different (laughs) oh and you mentioned that you're back to work as well so how's how's that been it's been good, actually. So I, I'm really glad that I did it. So I actually left my job um, well, during maternity leave because um, I was approached by another company. So and I wasn't sure I was planning to have the 12 months off, but 
it was a really, really good opportunity. So I said yes, and they were happy to entertain part-time um, for a little bit because they didn't actually know that I was on maternity leave. Um, I'm really, really enjoying it. And I think with, obviously, Sydney um, being in lockdown from, you know, the last few months, I don't think I would have enjoyed mm. staying home every day and just, uh, you know, I find it sometimes a little bit boring. So especially because we couldn't go out with you know, our mother's groups or friends or anything like that, and I would have just been at home all day yeah. with him. So it did break the week up a little bit. And I do appreciate oh, the days, I have two days off with him a little bit more. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I'm pretty lucky that he was a sleeper. I think a lot of people said I can't believe he went back so early, but because he slept, I wasn't obviously as tired as other moms. Yeah, it was about four or six months old when I went back. Yeah. And he, he didn't have to go to daycare. Um, you know, my mum said she'd do it for three days until the end of the year. So I was pretty lucky in that sense that it wasn't daycare. It was people that I knew. And um, Yeah, absolutely. That's so lucky that you've got your parents to, to look after him and it's meant that you've got more of a, a work-life balance back in your life because I know – for me particularly as well being in lockdown it's I'm kind of similar I get bored quite easily like I, I need stimulation and there's only so much that you can do with a baby until you start kind of going mm. a bit crazy I agree. <laughs> not being able to leave the house so you know I think everyone chooses what they want to do based on their own circumstances and if going back to work was the right decision for you and you feel great for it and he's been cared for and and everything I think that's awesome and I think that's definitely a story worth sharing because as you said there is some guilt associated with going back to work oh definitely I think, you know, um, everyone has, I think it's against the grain that I went back at six months. I think most people in Australia do have, um, you know, as a minimum 12 months off, but it just, it's, yeah. I think COVID just made it worse. Like I, I, you know, one of my best friends, she sort of says, you know, she loved that 12 months off and you know, she's, she has a corporate career similar to mine and she loved it, but she was out every single day with her mother's group, like doing different yeah. activities, you know, going to lunches, going for walks. And I think maybe if, you know, yeah. I had that as well, maybe I wouldn't have went back, but because it was COVID and you couldn't really do as many things, you know, at the moment, the last three months, all we've been able to do is go for a walk, then it, it was different. Yeah. Uh, and then you literally, as you said, you mm. stay at home and you're trying to entertain a baby. Um, by who baby who's not giving you too much to you know do um you know you're just reading and watching a lot of baby sensory videos and you know, playing with battle toys <laughs> I know riveting stuff isn't it <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know as you said I've got Thor but Thor and Corey don't like each other so. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it's so different Logan and Dixon my black lab absolutely love each other I mean Dixon probably less so with the baby but he's starting to like him a bit more now that he's sharing his solids with him which I'm not too happy about but it's just interesting <laughs> isn't it to see the dynamic between babies and, and existing pets yeah definitely I think well I mean he's a chihuahua so chihuahuas are normally not the most friendliest of dogs um anyway so we were, everyone was a little bit nervous and I've because I've actually treated Thor like a baby for the last sort of two and a half years he's you know He's, he, he he just wants to be with me all the time. So when Corey's on my lap, he doesn't understand why he then can't get on my lap. Um, but actually this oh, yeah. week, so Corey is obviously now pinching and, you know, doing all that stuff. And, you know, he pinches grandpa's <laughs> chest hairs and, um, and Daryl's facial hair. But um, he pinched Thor the other day and Thor snapped at him. So <laughs> he didn't, he didn't oh. connect. But um, so it's something I'm probably going to have to start to watch because, you know, no. Thor doesn't like it. He makes that quite clear. So. Yeah. <laughs> But I think it's just a different breed of dog yeah. too. I would expect a lab to sort of just you know, chill out and, you know, go. Oh, work. yeah. As long as there's food, he does not care what happens to him. Like Logan can literally poke him in the eye, pull his ears, like pull his hair, everything, and he doesn't, 
he doesn't really care but he is he's just a big docile dog so um yeah, yeah it's, it's a bit different but is Thor on you now no no I've closed the door so I'm just kid free <laughs> um but the minute Corey goes down at night Thor's on my lap so it, I actually said to Daryl this is like having a, a second child this would be like you know you just put the one <laughs> down and you think you just get like a little bit of break or reprieve but no then the yeah. other one's on you so yeah yeah I feel you I feel <laughs> you although one of them one of mine is uh 37 kilos so that's not not entirely fun when you're just trying to relax and drink a coffee but anyway, um, and finally, the last question, what's been the best thing for you about becoming a new mum? Uh, just uh, the, as I like previously said, the interaction now that we get together, like it, it's just really nice. The smiles, the giggles, um, you know, not that I, he has put his arms up for me yet, but, you know, he will. And when he <laughs> can't wait till he says mama and, you know, it's just, it's a lot more give and take now. Yeah. So, you know, making him laugh is fun. And then when they do their little weird things and, you know, it's just really cute. Yeah. You know, just constant videos of cuteness, really. <laughs> yeah, I know. And Corey is honestly probably one of the smiliest babies I have ever met. And he's got the most gorgeous blue eyes too. <laughs> Yeah, people do say that. I, mean, I gave him bad kidneys, but he does have cute eyes. So, oh, that's not your fault. Well, thank you so much, Katie. It's been so lovely hearing your story again. And thank you so much for sharing with our listeners. I'm sure there's some people out there that will be able to relate to many of the struggles that you've had. So, thank you so much for sharing. And I will no doubt speak to you soon. All right, great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the New Mama podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe to hear future episodes or share with a friend. Otherwise, if you'd like to share your story, send me a DM via Instagram at New Mama Podcast. And remember, it's okay to not be okay. We're in this together and mama, you got this. <laughs>